The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. A ghoul, and I'm here to welcome you to Retro Pop. I am going to bring in our host, Matt Johnson. Who you gonna call? <laughs> Retro Pop. And here's Johnny Townsend. Thank you, ghoul. Thank you, ghoul. That was obviously not me doing the ghoul voice. Thank you. Thank you. Clearly not. Clearly. Uh, <laughs> Matt, happy Halloween, my friend. Happy Halloween. We made it. Somehow. You know, I've really been like, t- somehow, uh, we're still alive. And, yeah, October's been going, went by very, very quickly. I feel like just two weeks ago, you and I were discussing uh, Happy Meals. Oh, wait, we were just discussing yes. that two weeks ago. Uh, it feels just like, <laughs> I meant to say it felt like just yesterday that we were discussing yeah. McDonald's, uh, amongst other things. But, uh, yeah, happy Halloween to you, my friend. Uh, what, a, what an exciting holiday. Very exciting. It really, holiday. it really is. Uh, I think it kind of helps when we have these more fun times. It's when we're having, uh, everybody's having kind of a, uh, to put it, put it uh, politely, a cruddy year. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. yeah, and we're literally our theme. We're, I think you were right. I think our ever everybody in the world's uh, slogan this year is, "Well, we made it." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would probably say that's a little accurate. Uh, certainly, it has been one of those yeah. years. It, it has. Uh, you know, that's why I'm just grateful we get to, we, you and I get to podcast and entertain people and, and make each other laugh. I, I, I really do. I, I, there's a sense of pride with it. So uh, I'm, I'm very glad in that regard that we can at least try and make somebody's yeah, day. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a it's been a pretty good year for us in that regard. So we thank we want to say pretty much thank you to listeners who spent this year so far, which is certainly not over yet. Uh, <laughs> who've uh, spent it listening to retro? Yeah, very we much so. You. And in the spirit of Halloween, Matt, I'm going to toss it over to our special guest, the Ghoul, and let him introduce introduce what we're going to talk about today. Here we go. Over to you, Mr. Ghoul. Thank you. Uh, today on Retro Pop, we're going to talk about <laughs> my favorite movie of all time. I make a little cameo. It's Ghostbusters. Thank you. Thank you, Ghoul. Uh, perfectly done. Uh, we may go back to him from time to time. Uh, Ghostbusters, the iconic uh, ghost-busting film. Filled with, uh, with ghosts and ghouls and, and slimers and Peter Venkman's. Uh, we're we're going to talk about <laughs> Ghostbusters today, but before we get into the history, man, I think let's uh, let's kind of discuss just you know like we usually do a little bit how Ghostbusters. Uh, like, how do you know Ghostbusters growing up? <laughs> Obviously, it's always I, I really I'm trying to remember when the first time I saw it. Uh, I can't remember. It's I, I feel like I've always known it. <laughs> like I feel like it's always been there. Yeah, right, I mean, it came right. Out, yeah. You don't know why, but it's it's yeah. been there. I mean, it, it came out yeah. the year after I was born. Uh, but it's 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 just like it's always been there, and I've always loved it. I'm fairly certain I saw the the real Ghostbusters the cartoon first because that sounds about right. Uh, because, you know, I was a Saturday morning cartoon fella, and I would definitely would have seen it. Uh, side note, that cartoon still holds up. But uh, that's what I that's what I that's what I hear. Uh, our friend Andrew Lenz, who's part of the network, host Let's Talk, but no politics. OK, he's very fond. He loves both because uh, there were two yeah. cartoons, uh, the real Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters. He holds both of them fondly. But obviously, we all know what the real, you know, what the better one was. Yes. 
Had to have been the real yes, Ghostbusters. Exactly, exactly. Um, but you know, I've always, I've always kind of been into the supernatural stuff. I mean, I do history creeps for crying out loud. Uh, but uh, you know, so this obviously this movie, you know, it's got. When I found out this movie existed, I mean, it's about ghosts. Uh, it's got Bill Murray in it, and uh, and it's a comedy at the same time. And it has, for its time, had some pretty sweet special effects, uh, which really stood out to me. I mean, I still remember to this day just how cool I thought that giant marshmallow man was walking through New York. You know, I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Uh, and just, you know. St- Everybody yes. knew about that. Everybody. Yes. That was like the de facto. It's it. It was so mainstream. Like it, whether or not you watched Ghostbusters, you knew about the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Yes, very much so. Very much so. So that's kind of where I come from. This at. What about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, I kind of grew up enticed in the culture. I guess you know my parents, being big '80s kids, uh, loved it. And, and there was, I mean, there were a few things. I, I don't know. Ghostbusters just assimilated very well with pop culture in the 80s. And it, literally, literally, that was the best decade for pop culture, in my personal opinion. Best decade start start to finish. Uh, but I was entranced with it because, you know, it, the the song, the Ghostbusters theme, seen by, sung by uh, Ray Parker, I believe was his name, Ray yep, Parker Jr. Uh, <laughs> nailed it. I just watched the music <laughs> video a little while ago. It was amazing. Oh, we're going to uh, touch on it. Don't you worry. And... Oh, good, 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 good. Because uh, yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. But uh, you know, that was the thing. You hear it everywhere. It's become like the de facto Halloween song, like the monster, like monster, the monster mash, and and several others. You know that Ghostbusters theme. You're gonna hear that at every single Halloween. Ninety percent of the time, you're gonna hear it at Halloween parties that you you arrive to. But uh, watch the movie early on as a kid. I didn't have any toys, not to my knowledge, unless they did like a. Uh, like a Happy Meal toy or something like that, kids meal toy, like going kind of backwards, but they didn't do that too much in the nineties. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I've seen the I've seen all the movies, seen all the movies. Very excited for the new one that's supposed to come out. It hasn't come out yet because of the COVID delay. But uh, uh, I've been around yeah. it. I've been around it. It's been very. Uh, it's been a part, big part. Of, uh, I'm not gonna say big part of my life, but uh, it's always been there. I mean, how could it yeah. not be? For, you got four or five of some of the biggest actors of the 80s, uh, some of the greatest actors of all time in this, you know, well, two-film franchise, in in my personal opinion, just a two-film franchise so far. But, um, but yeah, uh, big part, big part, and I, I love it. I love it. I was very pleasantly happy when you said we were going to cover this. Yeah, um, real quick, you mentioned uh, the song and Monster Mash when it comes to Halloween songs. Uh I, yes. I've ha- I've heard it on good authority that the Monster Mash is not liked amongst the ghost and ghoul community. That's right. The Monster R- Mash I find very offensive. Some of us take our ghosting quite seriously, and we don't just do a graveyard smash. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> ghoul. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Ghoul. I appreciate, I appreciate having a guest on from time to time, so that's always a nice touch, but... Interesting. That is not as well. Lo- it's not as well. I mean, it is a little redundant. Yeah. I don't know. It's just them having I, a party. I was listening. Right? I was listening to the. Yeah. Right. Like it over yourself. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> uh, like I don't know. I was listening to the Ghostbusters theme. Uh, theme before get warming up for this episode, and it made me want to fight somebody with a monster mash. Uh, you know, saw or not, the monster mash saw. It's like uh. Yeah, monster mash is just. Ma- I don't want to do anything no, with it. No offense to the ghoul over there. Monster mash, I do enjoy. But for me, like that's more of a I'm gonna go Bob for apples and then hang out kind of kind of song. Bob for apples, listen to Elvis yeah. Presley, uh, accuse my neighbor of being a Joe McCarthy communist, yeah. and uh, yeah, all the good times <laughs> we had. <laughs> and, t- and talk about the good old days with Dwight that's D. Eisenhower. Right. You know, that's that's good old good old days. <laughs> that's what the monster mash reminds me. Of. <laughs> All right, well, I think it's... I'm going to throw it over to the ghoul real quick. Ghoul, uh, time to introduce our next segment. Thank you. Now it's time for the history of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters! Each sold separately. Break out the new equipment! 
Ghost trap set. Ecto goggles down. It's Marshmallow Man. Ecto popper ready. Neutrono blast charge. Roast them. Got him. We ain't getting up. Go! <laughs> it's the ghost trap from the real Ghostbusters. New from Kenner. The history of the Ghostbusters. Now, for this, just so everybody knows, this is like a quick little introduction of Ghostbusters, where it came from, how they how they done it. Uh, this will not be as long as usual because my did you know part is overstuffed with some stuff. Uh, uh, so that's all your little tidbits are. And of course, as always, um, there's plenty of sources I got this from. There's a lot of YouTube videos that did this. There was a uh, 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 one of those uh, I forgot the name of it. It's a documentary series on on Netflix, uh, uh, movies that made us. Uh, so uh, the Ghostbusters is uh, there's a lot of places you can find the history of it. But let's get into it. And you can't talk about Ghostbusters without talking about Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, the comedian, especially this time, that's what he's known for being a comedian. I mean, he was on uh, probably the biggest thing he was known for was Saturday Night Live. But he'd been in some other stuff too. Um, but one thing, some a lot of people actually, I don't think know. Well, they might know now because he's definitely talked about it now. But uh, yeah, he and his family had always been into the paranormal. Uh, his dad, yeah, yeah, his dad and his grand grand uh, great grandfather or grand grandfather, as I was trying to say for some reason, uh, would regularly uh, hold seances or seances, and they would. Uh, try to contact the other side. Uh, they would, and then his great grandfather would actually record all these experiences he would have, and that people would tell him, and and they and he would write these notes down. And they found these notes after he had passed away. And Ackroyd's father, Peter, used these to write a book that was called "A History of Ghosts." Apparently, this is a well sought after book in the field of. Uh, in the field of ghosts and such, uh, you know, he's sort of an authority of it. And of course, since Dan Aykroyd grew up in that, that he's into this stuff as well. And he very much believes in it. Uh, so this influence was always there for Aykroyd growing up. And this kind of gave him this idea for a movie called Ghostbusters. Originally, it was going to be Dan Aykroyd and, Do and John Belushi. But sadly, that would have been yes. amazing. I would have been incredible. We, we, they had considerable amount of chemistry, yes. uh, which we had seen over yeah, the Blues years. Brothers so and I such. didn't live through it, but looking back, yeah, I mean, it would have been just a perfect shoe in. Can you imagine how, how big of a deal uh, that movie would have been if if Belushi was in? It would have. I mean, it, obviously, it's a pretty big deal in hindsight, but I think Belushi would have, you know, took it to maybe new heights. Yeah. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean the movie would have been considerably different, uh, and we'll get into that in my digi knows. There's a lot of differences, but of course, uh, Belushi would tragically pass away at a young age, uh, and after this, uh, Dan had kind of brought this script to Ivan Reitman, which is how I've always pronounced it. And some of these names get pronounced differently, but he's a very famous director and and writer, and he suggested to Dan. Uh, that maybe we should start working with Harold Ramis, uh, who, of course, would later on be known as Egon, but he was also a uh, a writer slash actor. He was in Stripes, Bill Murray, um, and he was a director for some big movies as well going on. Uh, there, Like I said, there was an original script. The script kind of changed quite a few times. And we'll get into some of those differences in the original script. Am I did you know? Like I said, but uh, but basically, Dan Aykroyd and Ramis and, and Reitman all got together and they got uh, some of this script made and they kind of put it more down to earth. As hard as that may be to believe, but the original is really out there. The original <laughs> version of it, it was crazy out there. And there's a famous. Uh, in a famous interview, Reitman said, "If we had done it even in the '80s, the original script, it would have cost the movie would have cost like three hundred million. <laughs> so uh, it had a, yeah. that's insane. Yeah, just think about that. Uh, so they they start pitching this movie around, and they go to Columbia Pictures, and they go, and Columbia Pictures liked liked the idea of it, and said, uh, "How much do you need?" 
And this is the only time I'm going to give a number. I'm going to leave the rest to Matt and his stats. Um, they were like uh, thirty million, and they really wasn't expecting to get a green light, but they did. And the only caveat to this was uh, you got a short amount of time to do it. We wanted out by a specific amount of time, so they had to do a lot of stuff to get this thing ready. But it was cast, and it would be shot in New York. I mean, you can go to New York today, and there's a lot of really famous sites that you know, a lot of outdoor shots, like the very famous firehouse, of course. I I can attest to that. When I went to New York City for the first time, I was so annoying. <laughs> I, I was the most annoying person. And that's hard to do in New York City for a tourist to be the most annoying person yeah. in New York. Um I was like, oh man, like I'd be looking at all these different places. I'm like, oh, like like pointing out certain movie yeah. scenes and stuff. Like, oh, that's where Spider Man battled the Green Goblin I'm and saved here. those people on that's the ferry. That's all I know about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty close. It's a little bit more New Jersey twang, even though it's about the same. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 about the same. But yeah, I mean, it's it's New York City's wonderful because you get to point that out. Oh, look at that's where Iron Fist. You know, in his crappy Netflix show, fought yeah. somebody. Uh, this is where the Avengers circled up at. This is, oh man, it, New York City's wonderful. Uh, and and yeah, the Ghostbusters fire. That's pretty. That's that's pretty cool. That yeah, and the there. firehouse, of course, is like a famous landmark now because of this movie. And uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is just the outside of that firehouse was shot. Uh, for the actual inside, was uh, somewhere else completely in another state in California. So this place was shot in this movie was shot in New York and California. Uh, they would get Richard Edlund to do the special effects, and this is a big deal because he had cut his teeth on Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. He had done he would go on to do Die Hard and Air Force One. So this dude knows special effects, uh, and he would use a combination of like practical effects and miniatures and puppets to do this. This was like right before. Uh, computers really started getting used. Of course, we covered Jurassic Park, which is where they really got used, but this was like right before computers were being brought in to do special effects. Um, the film would actually go on to release to get a shot and everything. Uh, the film would go on to be released on June 8th, 1984. And it quickly became a hit. They actually, there's a there's a story they tell of that when they were test shooting this, and what that means, they'll, they'll show us to a test audience. This is before the movie's even done. And they'll kind of see where you know where the movie's going, if it's doing well, and all this kind of stuff. And they they said they knew because they were really nervous about this, but they said they knew within like minutes when they were the audience were both laughing and scared <laughs> that they they'd hit the mark just right. Wow! And that's that. I mean that it, it, that's good in pre, in, in pre production, not finished to, yeah. to kind of hit that and. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. I think Star Wars, like thinking back back to like Star Wars the original, I think the original like pre-screening, it was, uh, you know, was not well received. So it speaks a lot to you know this Ghostbusters team that that put this put it all together and acted and and all yeah. that. So huge testament. Yes, to them. Even, when, when you when we get to the did you knows, it'll be even a bigger testament when you find out how much time they actually had. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> But it would go on to have the second highest gross, be the second highest grossing movie that year, uh, behind just one Beverly Hills Cop, and it would actually do better than Indiana Jones and a Temple of Doom. So that's a big deal. Gremlins too, yeah. I think. Yeah, and Gremlins. Gremlins uh, was the I'm fourth. I'm gonna touch one. on that in the st- in yeah. the stats. Yeah, I'm gonna touch on that a little bit in the stats portion, but uh, that was a big deal for for Hollywood at that time to have so many hits. Uh, well, hit movies do as well as they did, but the fact that Ghostbusters hung tough with those great movies is, uh, is again, it, it's another testament to how it is. It's not, you know, a lot of movies we look back upon and they're just cult classics, right? right? They kind of, uh, they weren't they weren't super popular when they came out, but now all of a sudden everybody praises them and, and, and loves them to death and has well, their like posters on the wall. Is a great, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is a great uh, example of that. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so. I'm like, I've been an OG fan. I had the I had the VHS back in the day. That was our tradition in our house. But everyone's like, oh, I've been a long time Hocus Pocus fan. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm you with weren't. you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> no, you weren't. You fraud. Yeah. You hey hey, you're a phony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, but but Ghostbusters have been popular through the end of time. Like since then, it's actually pretty remarkable. Um, 
And yes, yeah, so continue. <laughs> yes, uh, everything you said, a hundred percent. But of course, it would uh, make even bigger stars of everyone involved. I mean, some of them were already kind of big to start with, but it would really, really skyrocket them. And a lot of them would be known mainly for these movies. Uh, of course, Bill Murray, you know, uh, and all those involved. This uh, this movie was so big that the song by Ray Parker Jr., the one that you mentioned before, would go on to be the top song of that year. It hit number one. And was beloved, and that's before the controversy, which we will get into later. Um, and this <laughs> spawned the franchise. Uh, they there will be sequels, of course. Uh, I'm going to ask you about the sequel here in a second. Uh, there's a a sequel, a, a successful cartoon, which I remember loving as a kid. Toys, which I had quite a few of myself. Uh, there were foods. Uh, I remember. Just like the Ninja Turtles did, which I loved. Uh, there was a Slimer version of like a little fruit pie. And I, that I was a big fan of. Uh, and, of course, books, comic books, etc. I mean, everything you can think of, this franchise has spawned to this day, even. Uh, just recently, not even that long ago, um, IDW, a publishing company, did a Ghostbusters comic book that was quite good. Um, like in the late 2000s and teens. And uh, I think it only recently uh, stomped, I believe. But that's how big this this is and like you said there's a movie that i th- believe is done but they pushed back the release because of covid and everything else that i'm very that i'm yeah fairly excited for because they brought a lot of the original people back and i'm very excited about that um uh, but real quick matt the sequel uh where uh there's ooze running in uh, underground in new york uh, a lot of people think it's just really way worse than the first one i dare say that while I do think the first one is better, I still absolutely love the second one. I still like it quite a lot. I feel, I mean, I for sure feel like that. That you know, I I I do enjoy. It. I will if it's on TV, I will sit down and watch it. I feel that way about a, about a lot of sequels, though. Uh, if you really think about it, it's very hard to capture the surprise yeah. magic of that first film. Ghostbusters took everybody by storm. Nobody knew it was coming. And then when you know that there's a second one coming, there's a certain amount of anticipation and whatnot. And, you know, the, the anticipate, anticipation sometimes won't get met. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, when it came out in 2014, blew my mind. I loved it. Top, like, unbelievably good, funny. Uh, I thought it was the well, best MCU be movie at the I time. And it actually we're going to have a fight here. <laughs> uh, yes. Are we? Listen, uh, well, I'm in the same boat with you is that I I I like number two. I like volume two, but I do not think it's as good um, as the first one. I like it. I will watch it, but I don't think it's as good as the first I one. I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. But to be fair, I'm a Rocket Raccoon nerd, so if you just throw Rocket Raccoon in it, I'm going to love it. <laughs> that's, that's to be fair. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this uh, Ghostbusters was so huge. <laughs> That in 2015, not too long ago, it was officially added to the Library of Congress. So that's how much of an impact this movie has made on our pop culture. Uh, but yeah, that's the history of it. Uh, Ghoul, if you would please. Yes, now I think it's time for Matt's Stance. Fred was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Jesus! Hey, break it up! Hey, break it up! All right, all right, all right. Well, that's what I heard. This city hall. Now, what am I going to do here, John? What is this? All I know is that was no light show we saw this morning. I've seen every form of combustion known to man. All right, everybody. It is Matt's stats time. You know that portion of the show where I just read off some numbers that you probably don't understand, but I'm going to do it regardless because, hey, that's my job. All right, everybody. So on June 8th, 1984, the first Ghostbusters movie was released with the aforementioned $30 million production budget. Opening weekend for the very first Ghostbusters, $13,612,564. That is opening weekend, which is pretty... Uh, pretty remarkable. Domestic box office. So, uh, you know, United States, continental United States, two hundred forty-two thousand. No, excuse me, two hundred forty-two million, two hundred twelve thousand four hundred sixty-seven dollars. Uh, that is domestic. That is a pretty big deal. And then worldwide box office, uh, 
295,000 million. Gee, why do I keep saying it? I, I can't read. I can't it's read. We're this early. Uh, we, yeah, it's not even 11 o'clock yet. I'm, I'm making, remember that the, the, I'm going to make a face. I'm going to make a face. And, and I got like a face that I do when I record before 11 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, worldwide box office, 295 million, 212,460. I got a face I do when I make love to myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> It's really awkward when my wife comes by and sees it. So, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of eye rolling. June 16th, 1989. Uh, I know we're just mostly focusing on the first Ghostbusters, but I will acknowledge the other ones. A- 89 was uh, Ghostbusters 2. Doesn't have doesn't have the uh, the production budget, but a 29 million dollars opening weekend, which is nearly double. Actually, it's it's a little more than double the. Uh, uh, the first Ghostbusters. Uh, domestic box office, it garnered considerably less than the first one. $112,500,000. Uh, That's me rounding up. And worldwide box office, $215.5 uh, So, obviously, the first one was, you know, beloved, put on a pedestal. Second one doesn't receive the same love and, you know, Regards, I, I guess I would say. Uh, and we did mention the, uh, or no, we did not mention, but the remake, uh, July 15, 2016, Ghostbusters, the all-female-led cast. Production budget of $144 million. See, kids, bigger isn't always better. $144 million with an opening weekend of $46 mil, uh, which is not not too shabby. Domestic domestic box office one hundred twenty-eight you know million, makes, yeah, three hundred fifty thousand. Oh, oh, uh, no, you're good. You know Go what ahead. makes you know upsets me? Well, not really upsets me, but you know what really stands out to me about that movie is it's not it's not that effect that a lot of go- hardcore Ghostbusters people hate it. And I know quite a few who do not like it. I thought the movie was really enjoyable. I thought it's very funny. The yeah. cast is crazy talented. There's a lot of really funny people in that movie, uh, especially with the four women. I mean, they, they cast that thing really well. Uh, but I think oh, its sure. issue is it's, it's just trying to like force everybody that this is a Ghostbusters thing, when really it should have just been, in my opinion, just set in the Ghostbusters universe. Does that make sense? No, I, 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 complete, I completely agree. Uh, you know... I'm, and this might sound like politically, like, uh, don't incorrect get or whatever, and I'm not going to get too canceled. No, no, no. Um, I love, <laughs> damn it, damn it, they're calling Antifa right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, and also, like, I, I understand the need for, for strong female-led yes. characters and movies 100%. and stuff. But I don't think it does, I, I don't think it does those, you know, I don't think it does it justice when, you just kind of try to not erase, but replace, yeah. uh, and th- that's not never a good thing either. And, and trust me, I want to see strong female-led characters too. Uh, and the MCU is doing it right, where they introduce original characters. Uh, well, I mean, they were comic book characters, but you know, your Captain Marvels, your Black Widows, your Scarlet Witches. Well, I mean, we can look. We can look into the pop culture in general, where I think it does more of a service to. Uh, other you know people. I mean, we're speaking as white men, so let's just make that clear. Uh, but uh, but for like sure, you know, yeah. uh, there's very strong women uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just for example. That's the first one that popped to my head. Yeah, as an original character, you know, and and like if they went and replaced that with a man, I would hate it. <laughs> so uh, it's because that's not right. What it yeah, be. the other yeah. the other way around, it would be it'd, it'd be terrible. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I don't think it does it any justice. Could it have been set in the Ghostbusters universe? Absolutely. Maybe like a delayed, just a, a long sequel. Like, hey, they, they you know, kind of what what I think they're doing with this uh, this Ghostbusters Afterlife yeah. movie. Uh, y- you know, it's it ha- it happens too far in Hollywood where I think it, I feel like they they do it because if it's a cash grab, and not so much to tell a really good uh, story. And and I get it. It's fictional and. You know what? Yeah, it but, also has the uh, issue of following a very, very, very popular ingrained thing with people who grew up with something. Uh, you know, I'm I've recently been going back and watching. Yeah. Uh, I love Star Trek, and we're going to cover Star Trek at some point on this show. Uh, but you know, I absolutely love the original one when it was way out, well before I was born, and I loved it so right, much right. that the other series that would come out, 
for whatever reason, until I saw them, I would be like, I don't know if this is going to be good. It doesn't have Spock. It doesn't have Kirk, you know. Uh, but, you know, like I've been going back and rewatching um, Next Generation, the one that came out after it, and it's really, really good. It's crazy good. And what it did is it brought in original characters, but it has nods to the past, and it doesn't ignore the past of it. It builds upon it. I mean, in fact, you know, I just saw one where Spock shows up, but it doesn't the rely. But it also does not rely on those things. Uh, it's its right. own thing, but still feels like Star Trek. Yes, there's a there's a way of presentation to do it, and the you know the direct. While I agree, this movie was funny. Um, this this 2016 remake, we'll call it, but. Uh, there was a way that it could have been presented that they, I think they missed yeah. the mark on uh, because they were going for something else, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's see. On that note, we're going to take a look at some of the uh, the bo- uh, some other things. Uh, so the box office, the, that opening weekend that we already mentioned, it averaged about $10,040 per theater, which is uh, pretty cool. That was across 1,339 theaters. And it finished as the number one film of the weekend ahead of uh, Gremlins, actually. Uh, Gremlins, let's see. So it brought in 13.6 million opening weekend. Gremlins, which opened up the same exact oh, weekend. Man. Another horror, hor- I guess, it, yeah, it's a horror yep. comedy, uh, which Gremlins would be. And I, I, I don't know if, no, I guess you can't co- really consider Ghostbusters a horror comedy. Th- While there are some sc- I think some people do, though. Like, I think you're in the right to say they're both. There is some terrifying CGI. Yeah, in I that mean, film. the ghost at library so, goes at the very it's... beginning scared me as a kid. So, uh, but I think you're right to <laughs> right. compare these two, and it, I didn't realize they came out at the same time. That is yeah. shame. The two great movies too. Weekend. So that's one of them was going to get screwed. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, honestly, it, Gremlins had a good show. I mean, that's a good weekend. Yeah. Thirteen point six mil for for Ghostbusters. Twelve point five. That's one heck of a double feature. Yes, uh, I'd watch both those back to back and have a great time. Oh my God! Yeah, that would have been like the like drive-in movie oh, theater. That yes. would have been yeah. amazing. Um, Ghostbusters also beat out Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom, which was when it was in its third week of release at that point, but still pulled in twelve million dollars, uh, and it went up to twenty-three point one million during the uh, um, throughout the first week, and it was just a. Uh, you know, it was a big deal for for them. It remained. It, it was number one in theaters for seven consecutive weeks, seven consecutive weeks, and it was finally ousted by Prince's film *Purple Rain* in early August. Uh, let's see what the else Prince we film? got here. Yes, yes, the Man, Prince film. That's, that's that, how big that he was. That was the one that you took, took he out is? Ghostbusters. He had a number one movie. <laughs> he took out Ghostbusters. That's impressive. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> uh, oh boy, they did re-release it uh, a year, about a year later or so, 19, August 1985, and uh, it it pulled in another 9.4 million dollars over five weeks, and it beat, yeah, it beat Beverly Hills Cop to become the most successful comedy of the 80s with that re-release, which was a big deal. Yeah, because Beverly Hills Cop uh, also was a see. phenomenon. That thing was huge too when it came out. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it and, most he, and that's was. also the reason why the original. This isn't in my. Did you notice? I can go ahead and say this here. Uh, originally, they wanted uh, Eddie Murphy in this movie, but he couldn't because he was shooting Beverly Hills Cop. No kidding! Oh my God, him, him, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd together somehow. I would imagine he replaces. Uh, he, he, oh, he was going to be Winston. What's his name? Yeah, yeah that's what I yeah. figured. He'd probably replace yes. Ernie Hudson. Um, that's no offense to Ernie Hudson. In that regard. Like, but, uh, you know, it would, it would have been Not a different movie. All. Eddie Murphy has a different energy about him. For sure. Especially oh, yeah. in the 80s. Oh, he especially was huge in the 80s. In the 80s. He yeah. was, I would dare say he would have been the more huge in the 80s. on that. There's definitely a good, a good point. There's a good argument in that regard. Uh, let's see. I, this was something I did. I was a little baffled by. All right, so maybe I'm misreading this, but uh, what Beverly Hills Cop and Ghostbusters uh, had scheduled their VHS releases on the same, or no, excuse me, Beverly Hills Cop had scheduled their VHS release the day before Ghostbusters, but they they Columbia moved Ghostbusters 
And Beverly Hills Cop, it says here that the VHS was released for $29.95, which I can understand that in the in the 80s, I guess, a VHS being 30 bucks. But I'm not sure if this is the actual VHS price number, but it's saying here that Ghostbusters VHS was $80. And I don't know how true that is. I, I mean, I do I, think at one point they were way more expensive than they got later on. And that's why the rental right. stores really got big because they could eat that cost and make it back with renting, renting the movies oh, out. Oh, that's yeah. true. That is true. That is true. So that's probably what did it, you know, helping Blockbuster and stuff. But they had a $1 million ad ki- dollar ad campaign to promote the VHS release, and it was the 10th best-selling VHS during its launch week. Um, let's see. It, w- it was doing really good, and Rambo's First Blood took it out in 86. Hey, Rambo, uh, hey, hey. Yeah, and then... Uh, <laughs> merchandise is a big deal, too. So the first Ghostbusters movie did not pull a whole lot in in merchandise because they didn't really know what it was going to be. It's not like today where a big hit movie is coming out and they're just they're already releasing Funko Pops and T-shirts and all that. I think jazz. most movies where they so, think there's a chance of a franchise, they're already thinking about toys and stuff. Correct. So yeah, they went into this did not expect um, this to happen, but uh, what they did was the the real Ghostbusters cartoon helped generate two hundred million dollars in revenue for the Ghostbusters franchise, uh, which is pretty uh, nineteen eighty eight to be exact, which is the same year that the Ghostbusters proton pack was the most popular toy in the United Kingdom. Uh, so here's some of the just real quick uh, some of the things that have been used for merchandise. So you got soundtrack albums, action figures, books, Halloween costumes, various Lego and Playmobil sets. Uh, board games, slot machines, pinball machines, bobbleheads, statues, prop replicas, neon signs, ice cube trays, mini mates, coin banks, Funko Pops, footwear, lunch boxes, and breakfast cereals. Of course, you got the high C Ecto Cooler. All that has, you know, really kept the franchise alive with its various. Uh, heck, when the when the kids um, in, in uh, Stranger Things go trick or treating, they're wearing Ghostbusters costumes. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Which is, you know, that it's it, it's it's never going away. It's never going away. But uh, that is the Matt stats portion of the show. Let's head on over to Johnny's. Did you know? This summer, coming to a supermarket near you. There's going to be a great new high C flavor with an outrageous food taste. And what are we going to call it? Ecto Cooler. High C Ecto Cooler. Slimer's new food drink. You've been warned. Yes, so this is quite extensive. I mean, you can hear my paper here. Uh, This thing is filled to the brim. With uh, some digi nose, and I'm sure I'm missing some really big ones, even on top of that. Uh, director Ivan uh, Reitman not only directed and helped to write this movie, uh, he also did some of the voices too, including Slimer. Uh, the original script differences here are just some of the things that were in the original script that did not appear in the movie. Um, instead of proton packs and such, they would use wands like Harry Potter. Uh, that definitely would have hmm. changed it. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. In the in the version that we know and love, of course, Peter Venkman's the one who gets slimed. But in the original script, it's Winston who shows up way earlier and get, is the one who gets slimed. Uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, the iconic giant marshmallow guy who walks and tears up New York City, actually shows up earlier and is just one of many, many giant big monsters the ghostbusters fight uh it took place in the future also uh but here's yeah there's, I, there's hmm. a lot of little different and of course john belushi was was in it um while filming the name ghostbusters wasn't even final that's the name they wanted but they couldn't technically have it yet uh so because there were disputes over that name there was a 70s tv series called the ghostbusters that was owned by a different studio, and the only reason that they were able to get Ghostbusters as a name is because the guy who was the head of Columbia Pictures, who had greenlit this movie, ended up moving over to, I think it was Universal, I could be wrong on that, but whoever owned the rights to the Ghostbusters, and he said, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> so, they literally, 
That's yeah, pretty really cool. Got very lucky because they'd already shot some scenes where people were calling them Ghostbusters and stuff, but that wasn't final. That that would not have flown no. today in in no, twenty twenty. Not. not at all. All right. So the character of Lewis uh, was actually first offered to John Candy. Uh, I'm a giant John Candy fan. I love John Candy, but you know, I, he would not have worked here because he wanted to do the character with a German accent, and they said he ultimately didn't really get it. Thankfully. Which is weird to say because I do love John Candy, but thankfully he passed on it. And Rick Moranis uh, just quickly gobbled it up and wanted the role. He actually even thanked John Candy for passing on it. Uh, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role other than Rick Moranis. No, no. I mean, Candy's wonderful, but uh, no. Rick, I was just I was just chuckling so hard at, at, some Rick, at Rick Moranis, who's... Just a wonderful human yeah, being. Yeah. <laughs> human being, and the way he, per- he just he portrayed that that nerdy character was so it was so well he's done. Kinda, so well done. So Morantz was the perfect. He's so fit. beloved and good at it that you kind of overlook the fact that he's being kind of creepy. <laughs> if you really think about it. Yes. Yes. I noticed. I just watched the uh, the the party yes. scene when, uh, when uh, the party scene when the dog eventually <laughs> yeah. comes in and I was just like I love when wow, he's dancing with a really attractive what blonde a lady. That's like one of my favorite parts. I just love that little dance he does. I don't know why it makes me laugh every time. All right, hold on. I gotta go. Down. I gotta go answer the door. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she's uh, and she seems like she's kind of into it for a second. I'm like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> she's pretty, man. All right. Um, what a what a turn. <laughs> uh, Chevy Chase was first considered for the part of Vankman. Uh, there were other famous people too was considered for it, but I think Bill Murray's the one. That's he was born for that role. And of course, um, with, for sure, <laughs> for better or for worse, because he would later on become very difficult. Uh, he is notorious. I'm sure you've heard. Have you heard these things about how notorious he is to get to work with? It's not because he's a bad person. Because once he's working with you, he's actually really fun and cool. But a he doesn't he like you. You can't get a hold of him most of the time. Uh, and b he he says no way more than he says yes. <laughs> so, um, you're referring to Murray, right, Bill yes. Murray? Okay, yeah, I've I've certainly heard that uh and i know i, I don't know if you got to get into it but it did lead into a bit of a feud between him and Ramis. uh and, yeah. and harold remus uh, uh which is you know yeah, which unfortunately lasted a way longer than it should have but um but yeah i i have heard that on multiple yes. occasions um while while raymond and Aykroyd and murray and others believed in the afterlife uh, harold remus did not uh, but, however, he became quite knowledgeable about it. Like, he knew about all the uh, people who did seances and stuff and the history of it because of this movie. <laughs> so he actually became uh, quite a historian when it came to this stuff. Uh, Slimer would go on to become probably the icon of this movie. A lot of kids love Slimer. Uh, he's a huge deal, so much and so that he became a major part of the cartoon when the cartoon came out. Uh, and yep. uh, he's kind of a homage uh, to Belushi in a way. That's what they is what they were saying. Uh, the movie had to now listen to this. This is the part that really blew me away. The movie didn't even have a finished script when when it was greenlit, so they had to finish the script, shoot the movie, and have special effects done within one year. One Whoa. year. That's that's a tight yeah. window. That's and a at tight the time, window. this movie was the biggest. It was the uh, comedy with the most biggest special effects ever at the time. Um, during Sigourney Weaver's audition, she actually... What a fox, by the way. Oh, man, what she a is fox. stunning, right? What a stunning <laughs> woman. Uh, I would, like, I'd be tongue-tied yes. talking to her. Uh, but uh, she, during her audition, she actually surprised Raymond by acting like a possessed dog. Like, she would snarl and, and like, like, just contort her body around on the on the couch she was on and all that stuff and and uh, Ivan said it actually kind of scared him that's why she got the part <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive yeah. I mean th- you gotta think her star is pretty bright here too because this yeah. is after Alien has already come out and you know she's she's one of the hottest female actresses uh, and not like a, from a physicality standpoint, as beautiful as she is, uh, from like a star power yeah. perspective, she's a name, and she's one of the top stars in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, she's, at this a, time. she's a big name, yeah, yeah. big time name. Uh, the the so, uh, very yeah. iconic Ectomobile was actually a 1959 Cadillac ambulance. However, you know, I mentioned they only had one year to do this movie, so they only actually had one working Ectomobile made, and. 
uh, it would actually break down on them toward the end of the movie and couldn't be used again. Because <laughs> it's a 1959 Cadillac. Uh, That's funny. Actually. That's really funny, actually. But, man, you... S- I seen somebody when I lived in Rochester. I seen somebody driving yeah. it around, driving one around. They were legit like ghost hunter type thing. And I was at my friend's apartment complex, and somebody pulled up in a in a legit Ghostbusters ectomobile, <laughs> and he got out, and he was like a legit ghost hunter, like paranormal that, person. That's just I'm like, ooh, there's some cop, there's some copyright infringement here. It's but so I dig cool. it. Uh, literally, I dig uh, literally, it. I can't so cool. think of a single time where because I I used to do a lot of conventions and stuff for my art. That I didn't at least see yeah. at least one ectomobile. Uh, associate producer Michael C. Gross is credited with coming up with that very iconic and famous Ghostbusters logo. Uh, but he had a lot of uh, experience before this because he was actually the art consultant with the Muppets before this. Uh, there were some things in the film that were invented on the spot, including the very famous crossing of the streams. They actually said when they were going toward the end of the movie, they needed a way that the Ghostbusters could survive that fight, and they th- they made up this whole crossing of the streams thing. <laughs> uh, when Stay Puffed... It's certainly a little uncomfortable at yes. first when you hear <laughs> yes. it. It's yeah. like, oh, really? Oh, okay. But it's vi- it's 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 incredibly iconic. Yes. yes, and it's also something I never do at a urinal. Uh, when Stay Puff was exploded... The piles of marshmallow that you see falling to the ground was actually just giant piles of shaving cream. And in the 1995, <laughs> this is the one that I had forgotten about. Have you seen the the live action Casper movie? Oh my God, yes. Uh, it, it had been, yes. It's been oh, it's forever so, since I've seen so it. Great. But apparently, uh, and I'd forgotten about this, Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance appears in this, like for a quick, uh, for a really quick cameo. Yes. Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, uh, oh my God, it is one of my favorite parts when they're trying to clean out the Whipstaff yes. Manor. Yep. All right, they have a bunch of like SNL characters, and Dan Aykroyd comes out. He goes, "Who you got to call? Not me." Yes. And then he walks away, <laughs> which is so great, right? That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. But apparently, a lot of uh, Ghostbuster nerds got very upset about this. They're so, they were like, "He would never run away from from that." I'm like, "It's a freaking joke. It's a joke." Oh my people. God. Cry out loud! That oh that 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 part is so that part is so great. Um, took me by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Who you gonna call? <laughs> not me. And he just he just bounces off, and that that might not be the exact quote verbatim, yeah. but it's something like that. And uh, that was yeah, there was a lot of great SNL characters on that uh, in that in that opening skit. But yeah, so really, I would be so excited to see oh, him. Like what? Ten yeah, years later, I would love it. Uh, yeah, in that I, movie, I, I would pop for it. Oh. I'm not gonna lie, that'd make me pop. <laughs> uh, in fact, we need to put that as one of our bumpers on this episode. <laughs> is him doing that? Oh, for sure. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna. So find Slimer's it. original name was actually Onion Head. He wasn't even called Slimer when we were making this movie. That's that's what his name became. And let's talk about the uh, Onion Head in the room. Uh, Ray Parker Jr.'s famous song, uh, the Ghostbusters theme, was go would go on to be sued. By Huey Lewis and the News, uh, because they felt it was too similar to his song "I Want a New Drug." Uh, I had, I, obviously, I knew about this, but even b- right before recording, I went back and listened to "I Want a New Drug," and they are beyond similar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, are they really very, very close? The uh, beat is definitely. Uh, yeah, I the, to look. The beat is definitely the same. Uh, the Ghostbusters theme adds a lot of little. Th- little bells and whistles to it of course and obviously the lyrics are different and what he sings is different and uh and all this stuff and there are differences but you can definitely feel the blueprint of the song underneath the ghostbusters song uh and and actually it took oh, it took over 10 years for this to be settled they would end up settling this out of court uh, out of court but it took over 10 years to do so and uh <laughs> And the uh, and Huey Lewis is actually not even allowed to talk about it as part of the uh, part of the suit, so so they That's don't even horrible. know how much that how is... much Huey Lewis made from this, but he made some bank off of this. I guarantee it. Uh, I I'm looking at this because I'm on the Wikipedia page, and I don't know if you have this in your stuff, but um, I'm reading about the lawsuit. Do you have the thing about the makers of Casper the Friendly Ghost suing no. Ghostbusters? No, please tell me. 
Okay. All right. I don't mean to just no, no, rain on your no, parade. No, I want to hear this. In, in 84... <laughs> okay. In, in 1984, the filmmakers were also sued by the makers of Casper the Friendly Ghost for $50 million and the destruction of the film. They alleged that the Ghostbusters logo was based on their character, Fatso, and the case was eventually decided in, in go, the Ghostbusters and Columbia's pictures' favor. Wow. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Well, those... And this is before the live action movie too. Yeah. Keep in mind, so this is ba- this is the comic car- This is the comic book right, version yeah. of Fat. Yeah. So, so. Uh, but they're like still, just yeah, like what everybody thinks a ghost looks like, though. <laughs> you know? uh, right. Yeah. He it is the general ghost look. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's what a weird people sue over everything now. You know. Uh, we got to figure out who we want to. We got to sue do. somebody, Matt, or we haven't made it. So who are we going to sue? <laughs> we're going to sue. We're going to sue Andrew Lenz of Let's Talk But No Politics. Okay, for having a similar yeah. show. I know we just put him over last last time, and he's probably listening to this. Yeah, we're coming we're for you, sue Andrew. Him for <laughs> you're going to get served, <laughs> literally. <laughs> you got served. It's just going to be me tap dancing in front of him. At, at <laughs> you got served. That's all I got for. Did you it. know? Uh, Ghoul, over to you. Oh, thank you. Now it's time for us to decide where Ghostbusters stands in pop culture today. Who are you going to call? Someone else. Man, I think it's it's obvious. It's still huge. I mean, they literally just made a new movie that's coming out and that just got delayed only because of COVID. So uh, it's obviously still here to stay. I, to this day, know people who are huge, not just me, who are huge Ghostbusters fans. Uh, my buddy Carter, who I do History Creeps, another cheap plug for my own show, uh, is a giant Ghostbusters guy. Like, he loves Ghostbusters with his heart and soul. Uh, and he's not alone in this. A lot of people just love Ghostbusters. It's 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 one of those movies that, I mean, this is just a movie. That's not even talking about the other stuff. It's one of those movies that like you can see it and you kind of pass it down to your kids. And uh, and they, oh, Dan Aykroyd sure. even talks about that. He goes, he'll he'll even have uh, like he'll have people's grandkids come up to him. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, that's how big this movie is and how it still gets passed down from generation to generation. And I can't see a time where that won't be a case. I think like all these things like Ninja Turtles and such that are all in this kind of the same, uh, area, uh, pop culture, in my opinion, are things that will get really, they'll always be there and they'll always be popular, but there'll be different, uh, heights of popularity for them that'll kind of go up and down. I think Ghostbusters is the same thing, uh, where it'll get really popular, then it'll kind of wane a little bit, that people still know about it, but then it'll get popular again. It's a roller coaster yeah. type deal. Uh, but I think it's always going to be there. And I, for one, am very, very glad that this movie, both of them honestly exist. So uh, I think it's always going to be there for for a long, long time. It's hard for me to foresee this not being just part. I mean, every, I mean, how many times do you hear people quote, you know, who you're going to, as soon as anybody says who you're going to call, you, you already know what you're going to say after that, right? Like it's just, it's just embedded in our psyche that you're going to say Ghostbusters after that. Uh, yeah, naturally. Uh, so uh, this, I mean, this thing is just is like if you want to say, hey, what is humanity's pop culture? Like you can throw up that Ghostbusters symbol as one of the one of the uh, you know examples of it, and it fits. It's because it's it's so iconic. No, for uh, for, for sure. You know, I look at you know before like ghost movies before, before Ghostbusters, and there was a lot of just serious ones, some cheesy ghost films, and I feel like Ghostbusters was almost like it was a fun approach, a yeah. fun parody of the ghost genre. It, yeah, they, they, I they guess did take prior a lot to that of uh, like you know a lot of those movies that they loved, like Dan Aykroyd loved, and he really based you know he would use those as inspiration and stuff. I don't know about you, but like I'm a big Don Knotts fan, and he did. Yeah. Oh my and, god. Uh, yeah. I'm blanking on the name of that movie, but he did the one where he's in that haunted house. That's really really funny. Uh. So like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's. I mean, scary stuff in movies, even comedy. I love it when you put comedy and horror together. To me, that's always great. A great combination. 
it it definitely goes hand in hand, and you know it, it spawned. And I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I, I've I've watched you know, uh, you know all sorts of paranormal spoof movies all the time, and, and that just brought like a funny light to, uh, you know, to that type of genre. So it, it's it's definitely important with that. Uh, again, you brought together some of the biggest actors of the '80s, actors actresses of the '80s, and put them all in one, in one movie and. Uh, it definitely put a uh, it, it definitely put a good spotlight on things, and and like you said, the, the success is undeniable. When when they're still remaking a movie and it's as highly anticipated as this Afterlife one is, uh, and here we are. This is over thirty years late. I think well, oh, excuse me, almost thirty years later. I could something like that. No, oh, it is. Yeah, it's almost thirty years later. Uh, you know, there it it just speaks volumes about the type of you know about what this this movie has done uh, you know you talk to kids who who know about it that are far younger than i and it makes me feel old but the fact that they know it brings warm feelings yeah. to my heart so uh i'm i'm certainly glad and grateful that that's a thing that uh, you know that that ghostbusters continues to get passed down from generation to generation and 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 be and be enjoyed you know I, i'm glad that others get to enjoy it the same way i got to with you know sitting with my parents and watching it and uh, just relishing in it. It's it's so good, and it's really cool. Honestly, in hindsight, it's really cool to see like those like this is Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, and some of these other you know actors in their absolute prime, right? We see them now from time to time. Uh, you know, Bill Murray has been in a couple other movies like you know Zombie Land. He did Garfield, <laughs> Garfield, but there. <laughs> I know I had to bring up Garfield, but. There's nothing better than seeing like him, these guys who were, you know, so they brought so much energy to the big screen and whatever they did uh, to see him in the absolute prime of their careers. And I think Ghostbusters is, is the definitive movie for a lot of these guys. So um, and it's so quotable so, yeah. today. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's true. This man has no dick uh, is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> that makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> I just watched that before we went out here, too. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, I love it. I love it. But yeah, yeah. So uh, un undeniable, absolutely undeniable, what it's done for pop that, culture. That is for sure. Matt, any idea what we're going to cover next time on Retro Pop? Yeah, I've honestly, I've been going back and forth. I was like, oh, do I do something video game related? Do I do something else? But we've had a lot of, we've thrown together a lot of really big episodes, and I. I don't know how much this one means to you, but it certainly means a lot to me. Uh, we are going to cover Pokemon okay. for our next episode. So that's, a, uh, that's another huge one. The, 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 you know, the, <laughs> the TV show and video game that you know your parents always purposely said wrong to piss you off. We will be covering that in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> we'll be covering that in two weeks. Talk about the the rich history of you know the cartoon, the video game, just the whole franchise in general, and. Uh, you know, seeing where it is today, which is actually still going yeah. very, very strong, continuously strong, and and, and is honestly, a, it's a, it, it's an underrated. It, I well, I don't know, underrated, <laughs> I but it's a, I think it's important. It's it, it's an important part of pop culture with how it's continuous, yeah. you know, presence in mainstream. So, um, but so yeah, Pokemon. That is what we'll be covering. Yeah, we'll in try two to weeks. catch them all in, in two very weeks. We'll, we'll try to catch them all. Uh, but I'm through, and Matt, you're through. So I say, let's throw it over to the ghoul himself to take us out of here go oh yes thank you for listening to a retro pop we very much appreciate it and remember be safe on halloween and do not listen to monster mash we hate it this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. 
All right, we could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense.